Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Voices for Change 2.0, the mental health podcast that's changing the discussion one voice at a time. Featuring guests that will help end the stigma and keep talking mental health. And now, here are your hosts, Rebecca and Joe Lombardo. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Voices for Change 2.0. Yes, indeed. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, I'm going to do my best Howard Cosell here and say, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, from the frozen tundra that is Detroit, Michigan. Wow, I used to do that a lot better when I was younger. Yeah, I've that never, never heard you do that, and I really don't want to hear you do it again. I promise you I'll never try and sound like <laughs> Howard Cosell ever again. Wow. That was brutal, babe. Brutal. That, yeah, I, I am sorry. I am sorry for that. Um, but, yeah, it's snowing. And yeah, it snowed it's really snowing. Yesterday and the day before. It's very pretty. Yes. I just don't want to do anything. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, uh, I like looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want to go out in it, but it's vastly pretty. Yeah, it's this is the kind of snow that I wish we would have had on Christmas. Yep, it's almost as pretty as you. Oh, thanks, honey. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm just cheesy. Yeah, you are. You're uh, the king of cheese. I am the king of cheese, and it's, that's Gouda for everybody. God, it's time for you to go back to bed. <laughs> I, I think you are correct. I think you, you are, are just rough today. I am. It's uh, it's, it's been a rough week. It's been a rough week. I got to tell you guys something though. I have stumbled across a new product that is uh, making me happy beyond words. So a couple years ago, um, Pepsi came out with that Pepsi Zero Sugar. Okay, and. You know, for years I've drank Diet Pop because, uh, it, well, now because of the whole diabetes thing. But before, just because I don't, I didn't like the taste. Whenever I drank regular pop, I could taste the uh, the corn syrup in it, believe it or not. Um, and I hated the taste and hated the feeling of it. So I would drink Diet Pop and, you know, put up with the, the foibles of Diet Pop just so I didn't get that corn syrup. So... Like I was saying, you know, Pepsi comes out with Pepsi Zero Sugar, and I try it, and I'm like, oh, my God, this tastes like Pepsi, you know, which I used to drink in my younger days. So now they've come out with Mountain Dew Zero Sugar. And I got to tell you guys, pretty, pretty good. I, uh, I'm i digging on it. Uh, it, it. It tastes like Mountain Dew. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what kind <laughs> of uh, – Magic. Yeah, what kind of magic deal they made with uh, the forces of good or the forces of evil, but uh, I'm all in. Um, I'm <laughs> looking at a bottle of it right now. So, uh, Did we get the opportunity to mention that we finally saw your movie? No, we didn't. Yeah. Yeah, we finally saw Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. I uh, cried my eyes out. Yep. Just as a spoiler for anybody that hasn't seen it yet, yeah, I bawled in the yep. theater. And I loved it. Um, I know ever since it came out, there have been mixed reviews on it. And I honestly, I don't understand the hate from the people that didn't like it. Um, but to each their own. You know, there's going to be people that are never happy about stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I actually last weekend 
on Twitter was looking at some of the stuff that some of the fandom have been posting and it's ridiculous nitpicky stuff. And I'm like, come on, man, get over it. It's a, it's a movie. It's a story. And just, just enjoy it. You know, um, the last one. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they'll do something else down the line. You know, I, I, I I'm, well, I know it's the last in the Skywalker saga. It's, it's definitely not going to be the, last Star Wars movie by any stretch. Yeah. So um but yeah, I like how it ended, you know. Uh and there are people that you know detracted from things. I kinda wish we'd seen the Ben Solo character take I wish we'd seen this from him in the other two movies a little bit more. Yeah. Because you know? um, I couldn't stand him. Yeah, I could not stand that guy, and he grew on me a little bit when I saw this movie. Yeah, yeah. But you know, he's still he's still a weird dude. But <laughs> <laughs> but he's he is funny. I'll give him that. I've seen some of the clips and stuff of him from uh, like on Saturday Night Live that he was on recently, and it, mm-hmm. he's actually surprisingly entertaining, dude. But uh, he was good at that role. Yeah. I guess I just needed him to take a face turn. Well, he did that. Yep. Yeah, that's a wrestling term for those who don't know. So, um, <laughs> he was a heel. He was now a heel. He's a now he's a face. Uh, now you know a wrestling term. Um, <laughs> uh, that that said, I'm going to say one last thing, and then we're going to get on to our guest. Okay. Um, today at apparently two o'clock, and I don't know what who's broadcasting it, but apparently the first game for Vince McMahon's XFL premieres today. Oh, really? Yes. We need to find out where that's playing. Yeah. I wonder if he can get it on the WWE Network. I don't know. I don't know where they're having it. We'll have to look for it. But that's what I heard. So, you know, those of you like us that were bummed out about football being over last weekend because of the Super Bowl. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. Fear not. um, Something football-like will be on (laughs) the TV today. So that's it, the end. That's all I got. Okay, we'll say well, we've got to move on to our guests because we yes. we blabbed enough. We did blab enough. We may have blabbed too much. Yeah, that's we what we do. do. Yeah, but so, um, please, so, you wrote it this time. I'm going to let you say it. Okay, so our guest today is a survivor of something that is severely under discussed, at least in my opinion, and considering my gender, that's my opinion. Um, testicular cancer. Uh, he's shining a light on this particular disease and its impact on men's mental health with courage and humor. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Justin Burkbickler. Hey, hey, thanks for having me. Hey. <sighs> <laughs> he's really, he's he's absolutely just, I don't know where this is all coming from today, so I, we I, might just have to do the show without him. I'm on 10 <laughs> for some reason. I don't know why. So. so um, I'm still half, not even halfway through my first one, so I think that speaks to the potency right there. <laughs> so, uh, how are you, Justin? I'm doing pretty well. It's, uh, it's just kind of a chilly morning here in Virginia, but overall, it's, it's a nice sunny morning. Well, that's good. That's good. You, you guys don't get snow as much as us more northern states, do you? 
No. But we, when we do get snow, the entire state pretty much shuts down because it comes as a surprise to them every year that snow comes from the sky. And so we'll, <laughs> like the, they'll like declare states of emergency. I grew up in Pennsylvania, so I'm, I'm used to snow. Um, but they'll yeah. have, you know, a quarter inch on the ground. They'll be like, all highways are shut down. Stay indoors, people. <laughs> oh, jeez. That would I'm pretty sure that would drive me nuts. Yeah. You know, no knowing I mean, yeah, you gotta know how to drive in this stuff, obviously. And I mean if they don't know about, you know, brining the roads or putting salt down or something, then yeah, I can see them flipping out, but still. You'd think after all this time they would have put on some big boy pants. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. So you'd, uh you'd think so. Oh. Yeah, you'd think so. <laughs> So, you're saying it's kind of chilly there this morning. What was it, like 50? <laughs> I, I think it's like low 40s, but, but <laughs> that's, 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 that's probably like a heat wave to you guys. Yeah, that's, that's jeans. Call me. That's, that's, uh, that's shorts and t-shirt weather there, pal. So, yeah, that's that's nothing. That's, that's walking around with a light shawl on. <laughs> so. Yeah, so... Uh, a light it, wrap. Yeah, a light wrap, you know. Ooh, it's breezy. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, if you don't have any questions for us, we're going to commence the grilling you. All right, bring it on. Okay, <laughs> that sounds good. So um, this first question, we, we like to ask it of everybody that we talk to on the show. It's kind of become our, our standard first question. But I will say that in your case, it may end up actually tying Being into kind of the, backwards. What? Because I think we're going to start in in a point that's not the starting point. I think it's going to go backwards, so we'll just have to see how it works. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying is that it might tie into the second question that we have. Right. Okay. So <laughs> that said um, – I'll just ask the first question. I was going to ask them both at the same time, but that would be confusing. So, uh, where did your mental health journey begin? So, uh, this is going to be like a plot twist uh, that my uh, mental <laughs> health journey actually began back in high school, uh, prior to any of the cancer stuff. Um, it it started all the way back in high school when I was, I guess it was like my sophomore year of high school. I was about 15 or 16 um, and I realized that I just wasn't feeling myself anymore um, and but I didn't I just thought it was like typical teenage angst um, but yeah. then it just got worse and worse from there hmm. mm. okay well that, that is not what I was expecting but I, I get it yeah. and you know it's not that uncommon from Really, just about everybody All else that we've, people that we've talked, talked to. to. I, yeah. You know, there's been a few folks that have said that they knew when they were like nine or, <clears throat> excuse me, nine or ten, that um, there was something going on. But the bulk of the people that we talk to, and even from my own experience, it come it tends to come, you know, fifteen, sixteen, all the way maybe up into your early twenties. Yeah. Just that that general. Yeah. Area that's that's where people usually find the most difficulty. I, I contend that the more we have that discussion, 
sorry, I can't talk. And the more that it ends up going that same way, I, I'm convinced that it, it ties into puberty. Mm-hmm. I really am. I, I think that with all the hormonal changes that you go through, you know, you're growing hair in weird places, your, um, <laughs> your voice gets deeper. Um, I'm just talking about the guys, but you know, all the stuff you women go through that I'm not going to elaborate on. Yeah, really. But um, I think it's tied into that. I think that there's such a radical change to your body. You know, you could almost, if you're biblical, you could almost liken it to when Adam and Eve take the first bite out of the apple, you know, and then their eyes are opened and they realize they're naked and all that stuff. And, <laughs> And it hits them. They don't have any clothes on. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it just, you know, but think about it from, from that kind of point of view. It's like, you know, you hit puberty and all of a sudden, you know, you're becoming more like an adult and you're starting to, to realize things that you didn't really think about when you were a kid and, you know, all, all that type of thing. And, and so, yeah, I think, you know, once you start getting that whole sense of yourself in the world, you know, it it can be overwhelming and stuff. So what, yeah. uh, Justin, what, what age were you given the cancer diagnosis and, and, um, you're cancer free now, correct? Yeah. I mean, well, I technically, I can't say that I'm cancer free for another two years or so. Um, I'm still tracked pretty closely. Um, but I've been in remission for almost three years now. Um, so I, I was diagnosed cool. when I was 25 um, years old. So it was about um, 10 years after my initial ep- um, experience with some mental health issues. But the it was interesting because the the cancer diagnosis came so abruptly from like determining that there was something wrong with my testicles to having surgery was a total of 20 days. Um, so everything moved oh. so so quickly. Wow. Yeah. That's that's got to be just jarring. Yeah, overwhelming. Um, yeah. How how did how did that? I know this is kind of a silly question almost, but what kind of impact did it have on your mental health, knowing that you were already, you know struggling with stuff prior to um the i thought it was in a pretty good place mental health wise um prior to cancer like my like really really dark days in high school pretty much wrapped up before i graduated high school and then throughout college and the first couple years of being a real adult um or i'm still working on being a real adult i guess that's my mind um (laughs) Someday I'll get there. Um, But I I never, I was always kind of vigilant about my mental health, but never thought I had too many issues. And even throughout the whole um, experience going through surgeries and chemo and everything, I really didn't think it had a huge impact on my mental health. Um, Or I I guess more accurately, I refuse to really allow myself to realize what an impact it was having on my mental health. Um, I was just so focused on my physical health at the time and not, you know, managing all the symptoms from either the cancer or the chemo or combination of both, because that's a super fun cocktail of stuff they shoot into you for a couple of months. Um, 
mm-hmm. but it wasn't until probably almost a year after um, I finished chemo that I, I finally admitted that I was having some mental health struggles. I had looking back at my blog, um, it was, it's around the six month mark after finishing chemo um, because I kind of chronicled my whole journey online um, and going back and rereading some of the pieces, but there's definitely a shift in tone that I didn't even realize at the time until I go back and look at it where it got from kind of like a hopeful, more optimistic, upbeat spirit to like, yeah, I survived cancer, but what, when, when do I actually deal with this issue now? Yeah. It's kind of a, well, what now? Kind yeah, of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, we're happy that you're in remission for sure. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, cancer's had a, a negative impact on our lives. Uh, a big impact on our lives. Yeah. Um, Buck's mom had it. My dad had it. Uh, it just, it's nefarious. It's insidious. It stinks and I hate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's so pervasive. Like, it, it, you'd be hard. It'd be hard. You'd be harder pressed to try to find someone who hasn't had some sort of either personal or close acquaintance have something with cancer. But such a such a mm-hmm. terrible thing. Yeah. 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 It is. Um, what prompted you to come forward and tell your story? Uh, so when I was first diagnosed. Um, like I said, I was 25 years old and I was the typical millennial where I wanted to find all my answers instantly on the internet. Um, and I couldn't <laughs> really find anything about like the, the doctor told me, or my urologist told me that I was going to need chemo. Um, and, but he, he wasn't, uh, oncologist. So it was going to be a couple days until I could get into an oncologist's office um, for them to really tell me about it. And um, so in those intervening days, I wanted to figure out what I was going to be going through. Um, and so I searched and there wasn't a real comprehensive resource. There were some, some blog posts here and there written from the perspective of the testicular cancer patient, uh, but nothing comprehensive from, you know, going through finding a lump to being in remission. So I had been kind of to help process everything. I had been kind of writing up um, my story from finding the lump up until pretty much the day that they told me that the cancer had spread and I'd need um, further treatment. I, um, so I decided, I was like, you know, rather than, I'm sure I'm not the only, well, I know for a fact that I'm not the only guy who's ever going to be diagnosed with testicular cancer. Uh, but I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just certainly not going to be the only guy who's diagnosed with testicular cancer and also wants to know what to expect as they're going to be going through this journey, if you will, uh, for the next couple of weeks and months. So it was kind of a, a no-brainer for me to kind of put it out there. Um, and I actually spent more time coming up with, like, the name of the website than, like, making a conscious decision, like, hey, should I put this out there? Um, and... <laughs> I've I've never really looked back from there. <laughs> well, it's it's good that you you took that step and put that put this information out there. And I've actually looked at the website, and it's it's great. It's comprehensive. It uh, 
tackles it with earnestness and, and humor and um, which, you know, facing a diagnosis like cancer, you know, it's got, it's just really hard trying to put any humor into the situation, you know, but, you know, I guess there's two ways to look at it. You either look at it as, well, I'm going to get through this however positively as possible, or, you know, you, you, uh, look at it as your deathbed, you know, and, and, you know, that's, that's a really hard pill to swallow when you come across that. But, um, so yeah, so it's good that you tackled it head on and didn't let it defeat you and, uh, decided to to put information out there for everybody else. You know, and I mentioned at the top of the show that this particular type of cancer is, uh, you know, severely under-discussed. And I mean, the last time I honestly heard anything about it in the media was uh, when Tom Green had it, and that was uh, a long time ago. A long time ago, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm sure you're probably going, "Who the hell is Tom Green?" <laughs> uh, and it's, no, it's scary because okay, either you have uh, options on the internet where it's it's something like what you've done with your website, or you go to the complete opposite. <clears throat> excuse me. And and you've got like WebMD, which is just terrifying and horrific. Yeah, you've got you stub your toe. We're going to scare the hell out of you. Yeah, you know. <clears throat> so. So it's good to have. Oh yeah, I, I you can. You know, from I can totally sympathize on the WebMD because like, in when I was trying to figure out, um, you know how, how how bad the case was, it was like if you have lower back pain, that's a really really bad sign. And I was like, oh my god, my my lower back it hurts and then I realized like the day before I had like chopped a bunch of firewood for a couple hours and I was like all right maybe 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 I need to get off WebMD (laughs) yeah let's put a pin in that one and move on and yeah they're they're great for just scaring the hell out of you it could be nothing or it could be death so right you know WebMD we love you but you take it too far um, yeah, to be like a disclaimer there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, you you mentioned coming up with the name of your website, and I gotta tell you, it's awesome, and I love it. <laughs> um, so please tell us about a ballsy sense of tumor dot com. <laughs> yeah. So the the name like i said was really important to me because i wanted i wanted to convey two things just within the name i wanted to convey that it was going to be about testicular cancer um and but i also wanted to convey that it was going to not be a a, a downbeat um you know a what was me type thing so um there there were almost and i made the decision to call it a ballsy sense of tumor like I, I was glued to calling it the testicular trials for a while. And then I don't even remember exactly how it popped into my head, but I had written, I think I had like cancer chronicles, like all sorts of different names. And then all of a sudden I was like, well, I'm going to be talking about it with humor. I was like, humor rhymes with tumor. Um, and so, yeah, so on the, on the website, it's kind of, it, I like to say that I have three, three real big goals um, with the website and one is to the, the original founding goal, if you will, was to create the comprehensive resource of what it's like to go through uh, chemotherapy and cancer as a 20 something 
year old guy, um, you know, everything, like, as I've said a couple times, from starting to living beyond cancer. Um, and so that, that's, that was the original reason why I started, but then kind of the catalyst that really has evolved into the big passion of mine is, and you've kind of alluded to this, um, how men, testicular cancer and men's health in general just is so under-discussed in society. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, men, it goes back to a lot of societal expectations here and, you know, that were created years and years ago. Um, but yeah. one thing that I found is humor's a great way to engage men in talking about their health and make it more of a conversation than a lecture. Um, so that's, those are the two, two original goals. And then the one that kind of has popped up, um, which is kind of how I got connected with you guys, was um, just talking about the impact of um, what it really means to be a cancer survivor, um, especially focusing in the, on the mental health side of things, um, because so many people – you know, say, oh, you, you must be so glad to have um, survived cancer and so on and so forth. And while I am, don't get me wrong, it, it also brings up a ton of other challenges that you, you don't expect to face at any point in your life, let alone before yeah. you're 30. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I can, I can imagine that that's daunting. You know, you're just starting out your life really, you know, um, you're getting started, you're starting to, to try and establish your path in life, the way you're going to go and everything. And, you know, when you're in your twenties, you think you're indestructible. You know, I know I did. Um, I did some really stupid stuff when I was in my twenties and, you know, I thought, well, nothing's going to happen to me. I'm awesome. I feel great. I'm not going to ever have you know, my back fall apart or, you know, anything like that. So when you're confronted with an issue like that, you know, it, you, I can say in my forties, I'm more confronted with the idea of mortality, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, Beck and I both have, you know, losing parents and, you know, other loved ones and, you know, that type of thing, you, you get a a bigger sense of mortality than you do in your twenties. But I imagine when you're faced with a cancer diagnosis and you're in your twenties, you know, you get that sense of mortality really quick and being able to properly absorb that and, you know, not completely have it devastate you. That's, that's the challenge, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and it's funny because, like, I remember, you know, a couple of years, you know, a few years ago when, uh, like, they were talking about universal health care. And, I mean, they still talk about universal health care. But, you know, the Affordable Care Act came out and everything. And, you know, they were saying part of the problem is getting <clears throat> people in their 20s to want to go along with it because, you know, again, in your 20s, you feel like you're indestructible. Um, but then being faced with something like what you went through, you know, it, I think it just kind of further drives home. Well, yeah, I'm in my twenties and I'm indestructible, but what if something like this does happen? You know, I don't want to be, you know, bankrupt and destitute in my twenties because I got sick, you know, having, having that kind of coverage, just, you know, it kind of bangs at home, I guess. 
I'm not really sure where I was going with that. <laughs> so, um, well, I tell you what, we're about uh, 25 minutes, and we're going to go ahead and take our break. Uh, so you guys stay tuned, and uh, we will catch you on the other side of Wicked Game by Brandon and James. Yep.
Hey, welcome back to Voices for Change 2.0. I'm Joe. She's Rebecca. Uh, I was just going to say, that didn't sound like English. <laughs> <laughs> and we got a little note from our producer that it's English and Spanish, so. Yeah. So a little uh, uh, bilingual input for you. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I'm Joe. She's back. She's cute. I'm married to her. I love her. It's good stuff. I love you, too. Ah, thanks. And uh, on the phone is the lovely and talented Justin Burt Bickler. How's well, it going, eh? Please follow me around and, and introduce me like that all the time. I can see you stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. She gets mad at me when I introduce the men that way. But, you know, men can be lovely and talented. I'm I lovely like and talented. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And as are you. So, Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. That's wonderful, good sir. Oh, you know. goodness. Yeah, yeah. This is. Uh, I think she's being overwhelmed by the amount of testosterone in the room right now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's okay. It's all right. So how are you? I'm <laughs> um, doing pretty well. I advanced my jig in the break, but we're not going to talk about what else oh, might have happened. <laughs> all good. All good. You know, as long as you dance your jig, that's all that matters. You know. Just in case you hear a. <laughs> You hear a meow in the background. We have a tiny cat that's locked in our room that's protesting about being locked in our room. So Yeah, but it's either be locked in the room or get your butt kicked by another cat. By another cat. <laughs> so that is uh that's part of the travails of living in the Lombardo household <laughs> in twenty twenty. <laughs> All right, so let's get back on track here with our lovely questions. Yes. Uh, so, Justin, tell us, um, we've talked a, about this in a few different ways, but, you know, could you get more specific into how the cancer diagnosis impacted your mental health? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think the biggest thing was, and you guys have, have kind of brought this up before, is, coming to terms with the fact that I wasn't invincible anymore um, mm-hmm. and the the fact that not only was I not invincible, that it was my own body that was trying to m- m- prove that I was not invincible. Um, and so it, it was really hard to come to terms with that I had, I was still pretty young and otherwise healthy. Like I hadn't been to the doctor for a very long, well, much longer than like I didn't even go for my annual physical because I was, like I said, a typical millennial. Didn't think I needed to go, <laughs> um, and so that was really hard. And then uh, another big part of it was that everything, as I said, happened so quickly. I didn't really have much time to process what was happening because, you know, while while I had three months off from work to focus on chemotherapy, um, it I didn't really have a lot of time to process and think about it because I was, you know, in the infusion center and then I'd get home and I'd go to sleep and wake up and try to choke down some food and mm-hmm. then repeat that whole cycle again. Um, mm-hmm. So, it, and then I didn't, you know, I, I really so badly wanted to try to move on um, after everything was done and get back to how my life was prior to going through cancer. And uh, that's, that's just not, going to happen um you know cancer is traumatic it's life-changing um and so if if there 
I'm, not, I, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know the impact of either the cancer or the chemo on the brain chemistry and so on and so forth. But I know I'm definitely not the same person that I was beforehand, um, for better or for worse in some aspects. Um, but it's it's something that it really changed my outlook on, you know, trying to make make the best of every day, but also realize that hey, I, you know, if things had gone slightly different, you and my, you and my, you and I might not be having this conversation today. Right. Yeah. It's just it's got to, you must just I can't speak. You must be just confronted with. A smorgasbord of emotions going through all that. Definitely. You know, um, and it's scary. You know, I mean, it. You know, uh, when when you went through all that, you know how you know how did it go with family and friends? You know, did you? I mean, did you tell them, or did you kind of keep it close to the vest, or how did that go? Like telling people that I had cancer. Yeah. Or yeah, I mean, like yeah, uh, like. No, I I was pretty open with it. Um, you know, it was, it was, something that I just, you know, wanted to put out there, and, uh, you know. I, I would lean on support for various different people in different ways. Sometimes, you know, I'd want to talk a little bit more seriously. Sometimes I just want to talk in, in a distraction type method, um, and, or you know, not talk about the cancer. Just kind of try to maintain some semblance of normalcy um, mm-hmm. as much as possible. But it was never. I did keep how my emotions was changing and my mental health is changing for which to very um for a very long time, which hindsight being twenty twenty, I wish I would not have done that. Um, but you can't change yeah. the past and affect the present and improve the future. Um look at that I got all three tenses in one sentence. Um, <laughs> but, um you know it's it's something that that's a big part of what I'm talking with um, either cancer patients or cancer survivors now, or just the general public is, you know, your, your body might be okay. Um, uh, but your, your, your mental health is going to to take a hit and you don't have to try to do it alone. You, there's a large community of cancer people. I always say cancer people. And then I realize like, might not maybe not everybody likes that term, um, but <laughs> it's um, people with cancer. I guess would be the nicer way to say it, or people have been through cancer who are there and get it. And I think we just need to open up lines of dialogue to let everybody know that you know you, your your mental health is going to take a hit, whether it's a, a large one or a minor one. It's 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 trauma, and just with any other form of trauma, there's going to be an impact on your mental health. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my <clears throat> the thing I wonder is, you know, like when you were in treatment and everything, and you're around family or friends, uh, did it ever get to be like the elephant in the room, or you know, people were, you know, cool about it? Yeah, cool about it. 
Yeah, I, I don't really ever feel like it was the elephant in the room type deal, but I think that's also I, – I know for some people it definitely can be. Uh, in my case, just because I decided to talk about it so openly, I don't think it was ever the um, too much of an elephant in the room. The, the thing that I think sometimes was kind of a little awkward to talk about was making like longer term plans um, yeah. because, yeah. you know, you, you know, and I went back and forth on, you know, do I want to make plans and hope, you know, my, my prognosis was always pretty good from the beginning. Um, but there's always that outside chance that it might not have turned out well. So it's hard. Like, do you want to set those plans to have a, a set goal, if you will, at the end, or, do you want to kind of not make those plans and assume the worst? So sometimes I would make bigger plans for the future. Sometimes I wouldn't It's kind of case by case basis, but never really felt like it was an elephant in the room or really too awkward of a situation in my experience. But as I said, results may vary. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And what, what advice do you usually give out if you're, if you're approached by someone who, you know, has recently been diagnosed or, you know, is, is traveling down the same path, what, what advice do you generally have? Uh, the, the biggest advice that I um, always give someone is, is find some sort of outlet um, for how you're feeling, um, whether it's talking with somebody or, in my case, it's, it's writing. It, that's how I get a lot of my feelings and emotions out. But um, that it's, it's going to be a roller coaster, and I always tell them that, you know, it's 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 going to suck. There's there's just probably not like the greatest way to respond to an email when I'm getting that. But I don't want to sugarcoat it and say, you know, oh, it's going to be awesome. I mean, it's it's going through cancer yeah. is is hard. It's not a fun experience. Um, but you know, you will. It, it's all about how you decide you want to approach it um, and how you come out the other side. Um, you know, it's everybody's everybody's um, situation is different. And, you know, I would say, you know, tr- trust in your medical team, but don't be afraid to ask for a second opinion or ask for, you know, further clarification. But the biggest thing I always talk with people is, um, is to find some sort of outlet for it. That's a, that's a solid piece of advice. Mm-hmm. You know, having an outlet, uh, regardless of what it is, um, is just in general, it's good for your mental health, uh, cancer or no cancer, but, um, yeah, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Good, 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 good. We like that. <laughs> so <laughs> changing things up a little bit. Um, we were kind of excited to, to see this cause we like talking to people that have done, this particular thing that you've done um, because it's interesting and, you know, maybe someday we'll get to, I don't know, but um, (laughs) what was your experience in doing a Ted talk? Yeah. So that was, uh, that was a really cool experience. I've, I've ever since I kind of started writing um, and sharing my story, I realized that I wanted to do a Ted talk to talk about men's health in general. Um, So I, it's, it's it's definitely a process of applying or trying to get your name out there um and then the the i had a great um i had a great um speaker
soccer coach and who mm-hmm. helped me, um, you know, they assigned one to me. So she basically talked me through the process. And the biggest thing from the beginning was I, I, I write one way and I speak a very different way. They both have humor involved in them, but the written word in my case is different than the spoken word. And I said, you know, oftentimes if I'm writing something for me to read, it sounds very stilted. Like it'll sound good when I'm reading it myself or when someone's reading it, but it doesn't sound as good spoken. Um, So I said, that's my biggest struggle is I don't know how I'm going to script this thing out. If I, you know, writing a traditional script wouldn't work for me. And she said, well, what if you flip it? And you come up with bullet points and you record yourself and then you make a transcript of you talking through those bullet points. Um, and that ended up being like a huge game changer. Um, that's what I ended up mm-hmm. doing for the whole talk. And so, and then from there it was easy to just move different um, pieces around in the thing. Hmm. That's a really, really cool piece of advice, yeah. you know, because <clears throat> I've, I've kind of wondered about that, you know. I uh, I remember when we worked on on Beck's book that, you know, changing it to be more reader friendly, I guess, um, was a bit of an experience. But then doing the reverse and having it go from you know what you're writing and having it being reader friendly to being you know like a casual spoken kind of thing. Yeah. It, it translates differently. So that's, that's really cool. Just the idea of having these bullet points, uh, recording yourself and going from there. Yeah. Not bad. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. So, um, <clears throat> doing some snooping around on, uh, a ballsy sense of tumor.com. <clears throat> what is cup check? So cup check is, um, it, the, what brought, brought me to it was it combines like my love of outdoor backyard sports with testicular cancer um, awareness. It, it was a group of um, MLB players got together and they created this game um, where there's like PVC pipes with cups on the top and they, you throw a frisbee at them back and forth. Um, and and the cool thing about it is that they partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to help raise awareness and eventually funds for the um, nonprofit as well. So I, on a whim, I just reached out to the company um, to see, you know, if they'd be willing to kind of talk about their motivation um, for why they chose testicular cancer as their cause to support. And it was it, the, I got to actually talk with the co-founder and CEO and he said, he's like, well, it's, kind of a no-brainer. We're a bunch of baseball players. The game called Cup Check. It just kind of fit really well. And I was like, and that's why I reached out. Hmm, cool. um, but yeah, yeah very cool. pretty cool game. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I was reading a little bit about it last night and, uh, you know, I'm not exactly what you'd call athletic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, same. So, same. Yeah, so seeing that i'm like you know what i could i could do that <laughs> yeah yeah I you mean, know you and throw a frisbee which like most people can throw it semi-accurately well you know if you can throw a wrench you can throw a frisbee <laughs> exactly where'd you where'd you get that from <laughs> um i'm happy that justin got my reference at least 
Okay. Because my wife did not. <laughs> yeah. She's, so, she's uh, learned to for, dodge, for... dip, dive, duck, and dodge. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, dodgeball, honey. Oh, God, I haven't yeah. seen that movie since it came out. Yes, I know. <laughs> so, anyway, um, so what are your goals for 2020, Justin? So, that, it's interesting um, because normally every year um, I try to set big goals. I normally try to set either a personal goal or a advocacy goal. Um, and we're, you know, about a month and a half into it, and I haven't really set an advocacy goal yet. I haven't decided what I want to do. Um, hmm. But I, I think in personal goal, I just want to – and this sounds kind of counterintuitive sometimes to some people is is say no to more things Um, just because, you know, I don't want to have to try to do all things to all people if it's not something that brings me happiness or brings me joy. And that can sound like a very selfish worldview. And I I guess to an extent it kind of is, but I I just want to make sure that I am, you know, leaving an impact on the world, but an impact that also makes um it's fulfilling for myself as well yeah i i get that yeah, you, yeah you that makes want, perfect sense yeah you want it to be meaningful you know um and there's some things that you know people want you to be involved with or you know someone may come to you with a, a certain project or or something like that and you you don't want to say no but you know in your heart that it's not going to make you feel great participating in it you know I've had that experience where you know for instance when when I was training for um, crisis text line mm-hmm. um, I really 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 wanted to be a part of that and I really enjoyed most of the of the you know training but it came to the certain point where they were having you practice and they were having you team up with someone who was already doing it and then, you know, be online when the calls were coming in. And I got to where, because I'm an empath, I got to where the struggles of, of the people that were calling in was impacting me in a negative way. And I got very depressed and, and just, it occurred to me, look, it, no matter how bad you want to do this, it's just not something for you. Mm-hmm. And I have to keep reeling myself back in because I'll come to these certain types of, you know, events or what have you. And I'll, I'll think, oh, this would be great. I want to do this. And then I got to reel myself back in because I have to also be realistic about what I get involved in. So I, I completely understand where you're coming from with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that too. It's it sometimes... You know, people will reach out and either ask, you know, a, a patient or something um, will reach out for advice. And I have to kind of always tell myself, like, I I can't be that person's lifeline for every single right. situation. Um, you know, I'm, I'm normally more than happy to provide advice or answer some questions. But, you know, if it goes into so on and so forth, like, I... I Oftentimes, there's been a couple of cases where I'm just like, I don't feel comfortable answering that question, or I can't help you with that. You need to talk to your doctor about that. 
Um, yeah. And and same things as you know sometimes people will say oh you know I get emails so sometimes that we'll just talk about like do you want to work on this project and sometimes you know in the past I had a problem where I say yes to everything um, and then that mm-hmm. but you know as you take on more and more responsibility there's not more and more time in the day and so I rather um, you know do a couple of things really well than do a whole bunch of things just kind of okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, I get that. You know, and, and one of the things that we've talked about many, many times on our show is self-care. And having the ability to say no to a situation, that's self-care too. You know, uh, <clears throat> just being able to assess a situation, see how you're feeling, um, see if your heart is truly in it or, you know, if it's going to have a negative impact on you, you know, different things like that, you know, being able to take a step back and look at the whole situation and go, you know what, maybe I better pass on this one, yeah. you know, um, and being able to be okay with that. That's a big thing with self-care as well is, you know, it's okay to say no to situations. It's okay to, you know, extricate yourself from uh, something. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah, good word. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I think a big thing coming to terms with that is you don't always necessarily need to give an explanation of why you're saying no. I think sometimes, you know, we'll, um, you know, you know um, uh, I was reading forget a book, but it was talking about how to learn to say no better. And you, you know, so oftentimes when you say no to something, you feel like you have to give this long-winded explanation of why um, you can't do something. And oftentimes if you just say, and I've been trying to do this more and more recently, is say, no, I can't do that. Um, and, you know, maybe you have a logistical reason why you can't do that, or maybe you can't do that just because you don't want to do that. And that's also okay. Um, I think, you know, we end up burning ourselves out um, and then getting other people upset if we say no or say yes too much um, and feel like we always have to justify what we're saying now. Yeah, you spread yourself too thin. It's it's funny. There's a, a local morning show uh, here in Detroit, and one of the things they'll, they'll talk about is um, – a situation will come up, uh, you know, say, uh, uh, you know, a panhandler comes up asking for money. And one of the people on the show started saying, uh, oh, no, I don't do that. God bless. And it just catches a person off guard because they don't give any further explanation. Just, oh, I don't do that. God bless. And they walk away and people are like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know. And they started talking about all these other different situations where you could use, you know, no, I don't do that. God bless. And it's just, it, it's funny, but it, it works. Yeah. So, you know, telling anybody God bless just kind of <laughs> shuts the whole thing down, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so what message do you have for other men that are worried about the backlash of coming forward? Um, I would say that, the biggest thing that I've learned is a lot of reasons why men try to keep their health concerns, whether it's mental or physical health 
themselves is because they're afraid of being seen as weak or not strong or the provider, the protector. Um, but I, I think really by opening up and sharing health concerns and challenges, that's really how you're going to do uh, the best job that you can protecting others is by letting everybody know that, hey, we everybody's going to have health problems at some point. It's, it's an irrefutable fact. Um, by mm-hmm. by oh, talking openly about it, we can get the treatment, whether it's, again, from physical or mental health, uh, sooner than later. And hopefully, you know, early detection in any sense is always easier to treat than letting it go on. So um, it's it's not turning in your man card to talk about your health or admit that you're having problems. If anything, it, it makes you stronger. Like that's, uh, I've heard time and time again, and I don't, going to sound kind of braggadocious, but I've, I've heard from people who say things to the effect of, like, you're so brave for uh, coming forward, or you're so strong for doing that. And while I don't necessarily agree, it just felt like a natural thing to do. Um, I think it's mm-hmm. it's something that we should just eat as a natural thing to do, and that by where it's it's more harmful to keep issues to ourselves. So definitely if you have, if, if you have any sort of concern, whether it's a stub toe to you have something growing out of your shoulder that you know shouldn't be there. Um, you know, it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't matter. I, I was, I was a classic guy who I'd go to work and I was like hacking up a lung and I'd be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't need to go to the doctor. And, but now, yeah. you know, I might sneeze once and I'm like, Oh, I need to go to the doctor right now to just go get antibiotics so then I can get back to being my best self right away. Yeah. You know, uh, you got to look out for that shoulder guy. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> anybody got that reference? Good for you. Um, <clears throat> as I lose my but, uh, voice. Men in Black Two reference? Uh, no, that is a Family Guy reference. <laughs> so, ah. how about some love for Shoulder Guy? But uh, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> um, sorry, we just got a funny message from Scott. But uh, yeah, you know, it used to be that you know you had to be a guy and have this stiff upper lip and not talk about what you're going through or emotions and stuff. And, and what I think people are finally starting to realize is, you know, stepping up and talking about what you're going through and putting it out there um, is you're, you're showing yourself to be a, you know, a leader and uh, a, an example um, that it's okay to go, <clears throat> to go through this stuff and you don't have to do it alone. You know, and that's a, that's a big thing we stress on our show is mm-hmm. no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. <clears throat> Even when you you know you're at your darkest point and you feel like you're totally alone, you're really not. Um, you know, sometimes it it's going to take your impetus to to reach out to others, and sometimes the others will see it and reach out to you. But either way, you know, uh, don't slap that help away. So yeah, um, we are. Getting down to the... Uh, I think we might actually be going over a little bit. <laughs> yeah, um, but before we go, we wanted to get your social media out there, Justin. So how can people reach you if they want to contact you and you know, say something like, how's your balls or whatever? Well, hopefully nobody contacts and says, how's your balls, because I only have one. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's that. Um, so... Um, but I would say the easiest way really to get in contact is just go to my website of all these things at tumor.com. 
um, from there. It has my email address. It has all my social media, pretty much anywhere on social media. I'm a ballsy sense of humor, oh, other than Twitter, because that's too many letters for a Twitter handle. So that's just abs.pc. So ruins the branding there. Um, but yeah, uh, and also my last name, if you just Google Justin Burke McClure, there's two of us in the entire world. So if you wow. email one of the two of us, hopefully you get the right one. The other one, as far as I know, still has two testicles. So he might be a little confused if you say, how's your ball? <laughs> Indeed. I think that's an excellent spot for us to end the show on. Absolutely. So, um, so Justin, you hang on the line here and we're uh uh oh. What's the matter? Uh Scott's screwing with us. Um anyway, we're uh we're we're gonna listen to Dear My Future Self by David Hernandez and we'll see, see you, guys you guys next, next week, week and we'll talk to you in a minute, Justin. Bye. my future self.
Don't believe in you. Hey, hell, well, you try to 